Hello and good morning, everybody. Good morning. How are you doing today? I'm fine, thank you. This is Kate. Okay, excellent. Oh, this, oh man, I, I got the actual person. Usually it's it's like a producer that goes, okay, Arrow, we've got 10 minutes. Uh, you, you make sure you're out at such and such time. <laughs> My God, this is a blessing to have you direct like this. <laughs> that, this is the number they gave me. Well, this it's, is, it's a publicist said, call this number at 1030. So here I am. I love it. I love it. You are the author of Equal Partners. We are in a place of, of the world right now where equal means a lot more than just a word. It, 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 it has to happen. There has to be activation. Uh, I completely agree. I think that we haven't, um, I think that there's a perception perhaps that we have parity, but there's still some major work to go. I read an article this morning because a lot of businesses are really enforcing their employees to come back to work. And they said that the playground or the actual working grounds are much different these days because being at home gave them courage and confidence to be stronger as individuals. But being back in a, in a group effort, we're, we're going to have to work on that word equal. I agree, and I think we need to be um, really clear about what work has to be done to yep. be on equal footage. And so I like to talk a lot about cognitive labor because I think sometimes we get hung up with who's washing the dishes and who's vacuuming the carpet and who's doing the clothes. But there's so much anticipating work, schedule planning. Uh, a lot of the work happens you know, in our heads and isn't as noticeable. And so I think we need to be really honest and clear about who's doing that work and how can we – delegate that better. You're so right about that because my wife and I lead a, a Google Calendar lifestyle where we're always on the move. Mm -hmm. and, and when it comes to clothing, that's my job. And, and to do my job, I mean, to do my clothing, she does hers and stuff like that. But when it comes to that kitchen sink, I, we, we're very equal on that. And we, we share that time and space. Right. And I think that, um, so we know that, you know, from, from, uh, uh, what am I trying to journals um, when when couples keep uh, household chore journals that's what I'm looking for we've seen that we have we have come a long way when since 1965 when people started those chore journals that we're seeing more parity in the household but those those chore journals aren't capturing the cognitive labor so much they're really focusing on the physical tasks so you know in some ways we don't really have uh, correct data on who's doing that cognitive labor. Yeah, because there's a lot of things that I do today that my father would have never been caught dead doing, and it, and it's like, oh mm -hmm. my, you know, I just, I just did, I didn't like it when I was a kid, and I knew I didn't want to do it as an adult. Hmm. Can you give me an example? Um, my mom was always waiting on him, hand and foot, and I always thought, wow, oh, okay. don't don't you don't you have a, a feet, Dad? Get up, get up, and you go do it. Right. You, you know, come on. Right. Right, right. And we, I think we do have a lot of those gender norms have changed throughout the years. You know, we have seen um, men participating much more in the family. And, you know, one thing, one piece of feedback that I've been getting since the book came out that I really appreciate is a lot of male readers have told me they've always felt that there's this unspoken assumption that all men are fulfilled by their career or all men are fulfilled by their job and that they'd somehow rather be working. And I've had a lot of men reach out to me say, I don't love work. I would actually much rather be at home. Mm -hmm. I'd rather be with my kids. I'd rather be with my spouse. And so just being honest about, you know, having time, having everyone have time for income generation, whether it's fulfilling or not, and everyone having time for real honest um, 
you know, household participation, because I think that's where fulfillment often lies with people. Well, this book comes out at the perfect time. Equal Partners is the name of the book. Kevin Hart has a brand new movie on Netflix, and it, and it's about him being a stay-at-home father. And and he has to kind of get, get into his mindset that, that, that this is still a very important position. And, and the reason why I bring that up is because one of my essential jobs is that I work at a grocery store. I love being with people. I've taken note of a lot of men bringing their kids to the grocery store. My dad would have never done on that. Absolutely. I think that is fantastic. So two things come to mind. Number one, I think that sometimes we overpraise men a little bit because we're so excited that they're doing something different than our fathers or grandfathers are doing that we um, maybe congratulate them a little bit too much. And, you know, the women of the world are thinking, I've been taking my kids to the grocery store for decades and and I don't get this sort of treatment. So I think we need to just be careful that the way that we respond to parents in public with kids is equal <laughs> among uh, among all genders. And the other thing that comes to mind with that story is that um, how much the community can be involved to support right. those stay-at-home dads or those dads who take time off. I had a story in my book from a dad who his wife was a physician and was making plenty of money for the family. And he said, what my family really needed was for me to be at home and to provide for them in a caregiving way, not in a financial way. And so he quit his job to become a stay at home, kind of like the Kevin Hart story. Yeah. And his, his in-laws and his community really uh, disapproved. They, they said he was lazy, that he wasn't stepping up and right. he wasn't doing his part. And after about a year, he was sort of guilted into getting a job again, and he regrets that, hindsight. So I think that all of us surrounding those young families, whether we're aunts or uncles or grandparents or neighbors, we matter. Our opinions matter. And I think being encouraging of men stepping into different roles is really important. This this book is for all ages. And what I mean by that is is that it's it's for the, the millennials as well as Generation Z, but it's also for those that are just discovering retirement. Because when you're not going to that place of business every day, all of a sudden the two of you are at home and it's like, uh-oh, uh-oh, now we have to figure out a way to get along. Yes, precisely. I think that is a really good point. And a lot of people who are in retirement years have grandkids and nieces and yeah. nephews that you, maybe you babysit every Friday or you you know you see your your grandkids every other weekend. And um, Gen Z and Gen Alpha they 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 talk differently about gender, right? And so it helps give grandparents the language and maybe the tools to. Um, support their kids, their grandkids as they grow up. That is so true about when, when you talk about the younger generation with the genders and stuff like that, because there's a lot of genderless that that, that want to be recognized as that. And my generation, at I'm, mm-hmm. I'm 60, and, I, and I, I still, it's like, you know, it looks like a duck, it must be a duck. But I, I, I'm, I've been wrong many times. Yes, I think that being comfortable with shifting gender language and uh, understanding terms and understanding why we're why we're changing our language is really important. So I, I have a glossary in the back of the book for, with, some, with some sort of gender terms. So maybe that will you know, help people feel a little bit more comfortable in talking to younger generations. And we've, we've got to find the equal ground on that as well, because I mean, it, it seems like that it's like a stereotypical thing, those that, that have chosen to be open with their, with their genderless or even gender. And, and the thing is, is that you know, then, you know, people stand in corners and assume, we've got to stop that. There has to be equal territory with the judges as well. Um, yes. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure I totally follow your point, but I do think that, um, 
you know, being being open and not making assumptions right. and not judging is always definitely the way to go. Yeah. Relationships tend to fall apart for the most simple reasons. It's it's almost like it's festering underneath the skin. But if you break it down, oh, there's a bigger problem there. We just we've just been running away from it. You know, I've heard from a lot of therapists over the last couple months that, you know, in couples therapy, what a lot of these core issues boil down to is what I think you're you're suggesting is we're we're behaving in gendered patterns. We still have this leftover, right? These leftover patterns from generations before, but it doesn't fit our modern lifestyle. If both of you are working, if both of you are adding income to the family, one person shouldn't have um, the lion's share work of the home. And it causes, I think, a lot of bitterness. You know, yeah. sort of why do you have something better than I have? Why is all the responsibility on my shoulders? And I think carrying bitterness and resentment in a relationship is never going to be healthy. I think my weakness, uh, when I'm, we're out here in an RV in a beautiful forest, and that's what I love about modern-day technology, is the fact that when, when, mm. we, when we're in the RV, I like to be the chef, and I, I tend to get a little strong on that. I think I need to start sharing that, 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 that um, kind of a thing, don't I? Because, I mean, it's, I mean she, she cooks just as beautiful. I mean, does she want to cook? Or oh, is of she course she does. Oh, oh, she absolutely doesn't. So we, we, we do it together and stuff like that. And bring the, she's sitting over here shaking her head. <laughs> but yet I, when, I was, when I was cooking <laughs> breakfast this morning, I was not alone, trust me. <laughs> I was being watched. <laughs> I mean, so being in the kitchen has never been something that I want to do. I don't like to cook. Mm. I would eat cheese and crackers if I lived by myself <laughs> and, had to, and had to feed myself. And so for, in my relationship, having like very different domains has worked for us. You know, my, my husband, he does all of the food, all the grocery shopping, makes sure that we have the staples in the fridge and all the things for the kids' lunches throughout the week. But I handle all of, you know, the laundry. And so I just think that sometimes it works that you can, you can absolutely delegate, you know, this for, for the life of your marriage. I've talked to couples who both don't like um, cooking, uh, especially, you know, sort of the, they might love cooking for company or right. following a new recipe, but the slog of every day, what are we going to get in the kids' mouths? That gets a little tedious. So they'll switch off and on every month, you know, just to make sure that they both sort of have to share that burden because neither one of them particularly like it. My, my parents and, and so many others have always said that a, a great relationship has to be run like a business. Have we reached beyond that, or should we still keep running it like a business? I mean, because your book is Equal Partners. You know, I that's a really great question, and I think that there are models from business. So businesses tend to be hierarchical, right? There's someone on top. There's a CEO right. or a director. Yep, yep. And that person, you know, sort of the buck stops with them, and they make the highest salary, and they own shares of the company, and they have power to hire and fire and if you have two people, you know, in a single adult household, that works great. But when you have a partnership, I don't know if that model necessarily translates. I know that there are a couple uh, current businesses that do have like, a, you know, a truly co, co-director, co-CEO um, model. It would be interesting to see if lessons could be derived from that. So when it comes to the television remote control, who has control? <laughs> in my household or in all households? Yours. Kids, but that's obvious. That's obvious. <laughs> the kids have absolute control. But nowadays, it's not even the remote. It's the computer because yes. everything is streamed, right? So 
they have control of the mouth. <laughs> That's so funny that you bring that up because the uh, being out there in the grocery store and stuff like that, I've also seen families increase in size. It's no longer about having a boy and a girl. I'm seeing families with four and five and six kids. And and one of my questions always, who's fighting over the bathroom first? Who gets it first? And and people, I mean, coming from a large family, they get it. But at the same time, it's like that. I think that's where equal begins, doesn't it? When we're learning how to share at that age. Oh, absolutely. I think that a lot of the lessons from in, on equality and parity start with childhood. And so, you know, I, I like to, I hope that I was successful in reaching out to readers and explaining that um, no matter what your lifestyle is, whether or not that is going to change or it's not going to change, there's so much we can do about the language that we use, um, raising the next generation and preparing you know, Gen Alpha, Gen Z to be equal partners if that is what they choose in their life. Are you going to take the book up to another level into the way that because people are going to read the book, but they're going to, you know, they're going to be out and about and they're going to hit the websites and stuff like that. Do you have a website where people can go and continue to learn? Because this to me is just the beginning. You are just starting here. Yes, I, um, I would agree with you. And I thank you for that offer. I have my website, katemangino.com, where I always have um, events and conversations and ways to reach out to me. And I'm also active on Twitter. My handle is at ManginoKate. you got to come back to the show anytime in the future. The door is always going to be open for you because you've got a subject here that is a teaching tool, but at the same time, you kind of giggle like a child because it's kind of relatable. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you very much, and I would love to come back. Excellent. Well, you be brilliant today, okay? You too. Thank you for your time.